dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Many books have been written about leadership, looking to know what it is. The Bible has its own opinion. For St. Paul, leadership comes from the inside and is destined to changing the inside of those who listen. This idea of leadership is revolutionary for how we conduct ourselves in our own world and sphere of influence. Hi, everybody. I'm just so glad to be with you again. We have this opportunity today to reflect deeply on what leadership really is. And if we can reflect on what it is together, we can better understand its power in our lives it's, and use that power for the good that we want to effectuate in this world. And, and so I want to address you all, as fathers, as mothers, as business leaders, as entrepreneurs, as organizational leaders of all sorts, because no matter where we are, Christ is calling us into leadership, which is why we do what we do. And then the, the, the thing is, is how do I live that out in the way that Christ wants me to? How do I make the impact in a truly Christian way? Even if I'm in a secular sphere, what is leadership at its heart? Right? If we can reflect on that and nail it down together uh, today, we can, we can move forward from here empowered better to effectuate the change we want to make in this world and the change that God's putting us in this world to make be that working in this grocery store being that teachers in a school wherever it is that's our sphere of influence what is it that makes this properly Christian all right and I think that looking at the life of St. Paul today in a special way we'll be able to understand that better what is Christian leadership in the plan of God and in the life of St. Paul. So before we do that, let's go ahead and invoke the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you wouldn't be here today if you weren't interested in perfecting your leadership. Right? And we know that just like anything else, it's, it's an art. And as it is an art, it's, like it's based upon skill and choice. I can hone my leadership by understanding what it is and by implementing it more intentionally in what I do. So just like I can take a, a knife and have the knife be dull or have the knife be sharp, 
Or I can have a piano and have the piano be tuned or have the piano not be tuned. So I can have a skill that is an ability to influence others intentionally to, with the effect of changing their action. And I can do it well or I can do it poorly. Right? But both of those outcomes will depend upon my understanding of what that skill is and my understanding of how to use it best. I mean, this is why so many people read leadership books. They read leadership articles. It's one of the most popular things to do for those who are involved in business. That You, you start this thing off, you, you create your own enterprise, and the next thing you know, you've got to suddenly to make all kinds of decisions and lead people behind you to grasp your big vision. And you say, I don't know how to do that. And so there's all kinds of different theories that come out there. There's the eight laws of this, and there's the four rules of this, right? And you can kind of go through the list of the different kind of coaching that you want and the style of leadership that you want. You can do military leadership. You can do the leadership of a family. But when you come down to it, all leadership consists in the same principle. How do I effect change in those around me by exerting influence over them? And when you look at that from the general point of view, you can see that's applied in my family, that's applied in my, as a grandparent, that's applied in my school, that's applied even in, in my spousal relationship. How do I exert influence over people in a way to make them change behavior? If I do that, then in fact, I am a leader and I can be a poor leader by exerting that influence in a way that's forceful or manipulative. And I can be a good leader by exerting that influence in a way that betters the people around me. Either way though, knowing what I'm doing is essential. We are called to be leaders in Christ. You're not here today to hear the four rules of this or the eight rules of that or the 19 steps to effective leadership from a purely secular model. Okay, there's nothing wrong with those things necessarily. But we're here to learn especially what God's holy word teaches us about leadership. And there, I think you've got amazing spots to learn from, one of whom is the life of St. Paul. I mean, if you can really understand what this guy went through, his life is so amazing. St. Paul, from his conversion on the, on the road to Damascus and Syria, all the way through his adventures, in Macedonia, Greece, Cyprus, throughout the Mediterranean basin, Paul encountered death threats. He encountered riots. He encountered uh, possessed people. <laughs> he encountered danger at sea, danger at land. He walked thousands of miles on his own feet over mountaintops. St. Paul was just an amazing person. And as he did this, he was trying the whole time to exert influence over his listeners. He wanted them to accept Jesus Christ into their heart and to incorporate Jesus Christ into their lives in every aspect of their lives. He writes about the world of work and how they should work in the name of the Lord. He writes about families and how they should found their families, husbands loving their wives as Christ loves his church. He wrote about children, talking about how parents should not annoy their children and how children should obey their parents. He talked about politics. St. Paul's goal was to influence the whole of a life by transforming that whole of the life into the body of Christ. And so as to do that, 
Paul had to encounter so much opposition and win over so many minds. Paul was someone who was a leader par excellence. And that's why I think looking at his life can teach us some key lessons that we can apply in our own life. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. You know, working with leaders like we do at the St. John Institute and Eagle Eye Ministries has been very informative and touching as a priest. I, I get to look at and work with people who are trying to change the world around them for Christ. And as I've done this ministry now, I've noticed that one of the things that leaders struggle most with is how to make their leadership the most impactful. After all, we've only got really one shot at this and we want to make it the best, right? And that's why you're here today. You want to find a way to make your leadership the most impactful possible. And that's why we turn to Christ and we say, Christ, how is it that I can serve you the best as a leader? What are you looking for from me? And when you look at everything that St. Paul goes through in his life as a leader, I think that you find a constant thread that is the, the golden thread of St. Paul's leadership. And that is that St. Paul is focused on transforming the outside by transforming the inside. And this is something that he embodies himself, not focusing on the outside of his ease or his, his wherewithal or whether or not he has money or influence. He focuses his message as coming from a spot of authenticity. He exerts influence not by adapting some method, as he says in, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I did not come up to you with words of wisdom, right? I did not come to you speaking eloquence. I came to you with much fear and trembling and anxiety, and I was determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. There's, these are words of authenticity. Or, or when he speaks about his time in Corinth, uh, elsewhere, and he says, you know, when I came with you, I, I was determined to do, rely upon no one. I worked with my own hands. He did the same thing in Ephesus. He actually was working for Priscilla and Aquila, two of the people that he did ministry for. He actually received employment from. And everything that he did, Paul said, you know, I was accustomed to having a lot, and I was accustomed to having little. I was accustomed to ease, and I was accustomed to hardship. St. Paul, in other words, says, look, my leadership doesn't come based upon whether or not I'm accepted or whether or not I have a position of power. Sometimes he did. If you look at Acts, for example, in, you know, in Acts chapter 19, Paul in Ephesus, uh, he has got a lot of power. All of Asia is listening to Paul. He's preaching there for two years while he's in Ephesus. And he has so much power that at one point he converts all of the sorcerers around him and they burn their books in front of him. When you do the count, it's 50,000 silver pieces. And by some estimates, that will be as much as $850,000 worth of books. And I mean, talk about a position of power. It says mighty miracles were worked by his hands. People were touching cloth to his body, then going off and touching sick people. And they were being healed. And, and Paul led from a position of power, but he also led 
from a position of incredible weakness. Look at him in Athens, all by himself, alone, speaking in front of the Arapagus and there being laughed at and scoffed at by the people who were listening to him. He, he wasn't always in a position of power to show us that if you have power, then use it. And if you don't have power, don't let it bother you. It's not the power that makes you a leader. You might not have a family that listens to you. You might not have a spouse that supports you. You might not have, you know, a, a grandchildren that are ready and, and willing to be at your beck and call and listening to your influence over them. Then again, you might. But it's not that that makes you a leader. A leader doesn't start from the outside. A leader starts from the inside. Leadership speaks from the heart, from character, from who you are, and not from what position that you have. This is a, a common error that a lot of us make. We think, gosh, if I was given more power, then I'd be able to lead. Well, it's true that if you have more power given to you by your position, by your, the, 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 the recognition you have in an organization, it's true that your leadership can have a wider impact, but it's also more diffuse. The essence of leadership does not come from the breadth of your impact, but rather from its depth. St. Paul does not go out there looking to make the, the huge gains in terms of crowds. He would love that. He doesn't disdain that. But Paul contents himself with the depth of the impact in those who are nearest to him. And then he forms those who are nearest to him to end up becoming evangelizers themselves. Look at what he does with Titus, what he does with Timothy, what he does with his immediate followers. Or look at how he uses uh, the graces of Lydia, who, who, who really understands what he has to say, to then make a bigger circle of influence and bring in all of the people in Philippi. There's a, a focus, though, for St. Paul, which is this. The influence he's trying to affect comes from who he is and is aimed at transforming who the listeners are. And to do that, he's got to put a pause on the quests that a lot of us look for in our own leadership, uh, the, the quest for big impact, for having numbers of people follow us. I remember listening to Fulton Sheen, who is this great American evangelizer, uh, a bishop of the Catholic Church who spoke to, I mean, at one point he filled Soldier Field. He had 100,000 people at Soldier's Field in Chicago listening to him. I mean, he was just, he was the first televangelist. He, he before any of the evangelicals were on the air, Catholic Bishop was on, on TV. He was the first one to take to the means of television to proclaim the gospel. An amazing uh, American story. And Fulton Sheen asked himself at one point, would it be preferable to have an institutional founder or a charismatic preacher? Which is better for the church? Is it to have uh, someone who can have masses of people listen to them at once? or someone who goes about the labor of founding an institution. And he said, between the two, he would choose the institutional founder every time. Because whereas the charismatic speaker can fill stadiums of people, this doesn't mean that his impact lasts any longer than his life. And in fact, the founder of an institution found something that lasts after him and that repeats the impact of his life over and over with every generation of people that go through it. 
And so you see both of them in St. Paul. You see the, the St. Paul going towards the masses and speaking in the synagogues and proclaiming Christ boldly to as many people as you can. But the thing about St. Paul is that he didn't stop there. St. Paul's leadership wasn't even focused there. He used the means of speaking to the many in order to communicate a depth of change in the hearts of the few. And going deep with that change in the hearts of the few, he would have the impact that he desired and the influence that he desired over the greatest breadth. But it wasn't by trying to get the breadth himself. He went for depth. And this is where I think you really see the genius of his leadership. An example of this, right, is if you take a look at what happens in Philippi when he's freed from the prison. If you remember this scene, he's in prison and uh, an earthquake takes place and all of the chains fall from his hands, from his feet, and from the feet of, of Titus as well, who's imprisoned with him. And what does Paul do? Paul stays right in prison. So the jailer rushes in and sees all the doors open and the jailer's going to kill himself because he's like, I, all my prisoners have escaped and Paul cries out from inside the prison, we're all here, don't worry. And so what does the jailer do? The jailer converts. And you say, well, Paul, why would you stay in prison just to convert one jailer when getting out of prison, you could have converted so many more people. And that's just it. By converting the jailer, Paul accomplishes his mission. His mission's focus is not that everybody in the world have a small amount of knowledge of Christ. It's that the depth and the fullness of Christ be given there where he can. And this is such a lesson for us in our style of leadership. Where are you leading from? What is your intention when you go into that classroom at a public high school? What is, that, what is your intention when you go and, and you go to the store that you're managing? What is your intention when you go into anything? It's not a question of evangelization. As a leader, the impact that you will make will come from your intention. Do you intend on making an influence that's deep in the hearts of those that are near you or do you intend on making a leadership, an impact that is diffuse in the hearts of anyone who might come near? The difference for a Christian leader is that we always start with the former without neglecting the latter. Numbers are important, but they're important because they give us the opportunity to go for depth. This is the essence of a really impactful leadership. It's the leadership that forms leaders after them. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So when you're looking at the life of St. Paul, you, you have to look at, at this life as, as what it is, just an incredible story of a man who has an idea and who wants to change the world with that idea. I mean, if you're frankly going to look at it that way, you could understand it. It's obviously much more than that. But you can understand therein the paradigm of so many entrepreneurs, so many salespeople, so many business leaders. I have an idea. I have a way of life. I have something that I want to give to this world. And I'm out there to influence the world after me. If you, and, and of course, you can apply this in very small scale. You can apply this in your family. You can apply this as mothers. You can apply this anywhere. What is the big idea that you want to give to this world? And, and what's the best way to give it? 
Well, St. Paul shows us that his leadership comes from the inside. And what's amazing is that it's focused on the inside of those who are around them. Not only does it come from his character, but its focus is on the character and forming the character of those who are nearest to him. It comes from his inside and it's focused on the inside. So, I mean, think about this, for example, in the leadership of a coach, right? Is the goal really to get the kids to the Olympics? Well, it's kind of, you know, you'd like very much to have your team be the greatest, you know, soccer team of all time. It'd be amazing if Walt Disney wanted to make a movie based upon your soccer team. And some of us have these dreams. We're like, oh, that's why I'm coaching soccer. We're going to be the greatest team of all time. But the fact is that there's no judgment for the greatest team of all time. And the odds of you having the greatest team of all time are like so minuscule that you, you're really foolish if you're coaching a team thinking you're going to have the greatest team of all time. I mean, you're just foolish. And you're actually probably missing the point because by doing that, you're going to miss so many coachable moments, so many teachable moments where you could have had a deeper impact than having the greatest team of all time. I mean, if you have the greatest team of all time, what do you have? You got a bunch of people that can run around a field and kick a ball correctly. I mean, congratulations. But wouldn't it be greater to say that that's just the occasion or that's just the opportunity for me to really exert the impact that I want to have on these kids' lives, which is to make them men and women who are capable of confronting the major issues of life and winning. I mean, you know, I mean, think about it from teaching, same thing. Is it really that they learn, you know, how much of algebra two do you remember, right? How much of calculus do you remember? It's not the calculus, it's not the algebra two, especially when you can use computers today and just find the same answers on Google, right? I mean, I'm not putting that down. It's very important to know all those things. But then again, what's most important is the discipline, it's the thought pattern, it's the deeper things that you're trying to go after through those lessons. We train people by giving them tasks and by giving them the outward things of cleaning up their rooms and washing their hands and sharing their toys. We're going after something deeper and that something deeper is what we always have to have in mind. If God has given you a business to run, it's not for the sake of the business's profit only. That's just the occasion. That's the outward shell. The deeper reason God's given you a business is the people that will be impacted through it. Yes, via the economy. Yes, via good solid products, obviously. And yet even more by the work that they're doing and the way that they do it. You're giving an opportunity as a leader to impact people's lives, to make their work days good, to give them peaceful places to demonstrate their excellence, to encourage them. If you can nail it at work, in other words, you can go home and also nail it at home. And so your job as the leader of the workplace is to get them to nail it at work to be confident in who they are, to grow as a person so that then when they go home, they can be even better, to give them opportunities, to give them confidence. This is, as we all know, right? Why Christ would give you that leadership potential. But you have to have the same focus there that St. Paul has as he proclaims the gospel. He's, it, it, it's, it's not a question, in other words, of outward show. It's not a question for St. Paul, in other words, of, of the preaching, of the miracles. 
he's focusing himself upon the transformation of the person. And he uses everything that he can from within himself, both the hardships and the successes, to convey that message to his followers. That he'll even go from the success that he has in Ephesus in chapter 19 all the way to the imprisonment that he'll know in Jerusalem in chapter 22. Why in the world would Paul allow himself to be arrested when he's winning? It's because, folks, it's not in the success story on the outside that Paul is successful. It's a success story on the inside. And his fidelity to Christ, even into prison, is where he will exert his greatest influence over his followers by demonstrating to them the real depth and the point of his leadership which is their fidelity to what counts on the inside. Some lessons, in other words, can't be taught from the outside. They can only be taught from the inside. Some things that, that we need as Christians don't come to us from eloquence or from style or from opportunity from the outside. Some things can only come from grasping them deep within and the example that's left to us by someone else who's led from, the in, from within. Here I want you just to think for a second about people in your own life who've made an impact. Did they make an impact because of the money that they had? Do you follow and were you impacted by people because of their money, their car, their suits? I mean, like there's nothing wrong with suits and cars and money. We know that. And that may have helped them to a certain degree to be impactful in their leadership. But when you really ask yourself, who is it that's formed me to be the person I am today? And you look back, it's always going to be the same thing. It's who these people were from within. Their character. What they demonstrated. And there, the genius of a great leader is to look for the opportunities to let that character shine. When I can demonstrate to someone around me what really matters to me, what my values really are, I, I touch something deep inside of them, their aspiration to be great as a human being as well. This is where we need to focus ourselves like St. Paul. He went to his death in order to demonstrate to his followers what he really stood for. I want you to go into your businesses and into your teaching, into your classroom, to your hospitals with that same intention. Let me show the depth of who I am. Let me let my character shine forth, my faith, my hope, my, my deep heroism, this is where I'll make the impact that will really change the world. It's when I allow the depths of who I am to shine forth from within. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.